Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette. This is the TS Radio Network, and our show tonight is in the mix. Cosscape is my co-host, and as usual, I'm looking forward to a very good show. These shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. Um, this year, as I understand it, it's from July 29th through the 31st. I may have that wrong, but it'll be on Zoom. It'll be live on Zoom this year, uh, thanks to that faked-up virus. And um, But anyway, we will have a presentation, and Australia is joining us, and uh, Marcia Joyner from Hospice, Mary Whitten, um, she's an interested party, and, of course, Kaz and I. And uh, so I'm looking, like I say, forward to a very good presentation. We were very well received last year, and uh, I'm hoping to build on that again. So, and, you know, whenever they are able to get the summit live again where we can attend, I I just can't encourage you enough to attend. Uh, It's a mind-blowing experience. The people you will meet, the battles they have fought, what they have done, to, that succeeded, what didn't succeed, who to talk to, who to avoid, um, because it's really quite a uh, obstacle course getting through any form of this. So, um, and as we're finding out, um, I just got a new Facebook page set up. I was hacked, taken down my radio show. Someone tried to cancel it. I was tried. They tried to take me off of LinkedIn. They tried to take me off of quit, Twitter. Um, so far, I've survived everything, and I just did get a Facebook page back up this evening, and we'll give it another try. I'll keep coming back. I don't care. And um, so we'll just go from there. But this is happening to many people. Lisa Belanger, whose case we have followed for four or five years now, um, got deplatformed on Twitter. 26,000 followers. And for some reason, they won't give her any reason why she was taken off. Um, Australian Association Against Guardianship Abuse, and they will be our guests next Friday, putting on a huge protest this week, the 11th and 12th, over the obscene things happening in guardianship over there. Um, Facebook took down all their ads for the protest. They got taken off of LinkedIn. They got taken off of Twitter. 
um, they're they're after us. They're after us. Anybody they think of is, is of any consequence and really might have a voice in all of this, they're hacking us. They're taking us down. They're limiting our exposure. They're doing whatever they can. So apparently something we're doing is making an impact. And I think a lot of what it is is that movie – that came out called I Care A Lot, which is a fictionalized account of many cases, but it told the story of how this progresses, what can happen to people, how corrupt this system is. It's running actually globally, and it it, it scared people because they, a lot of them were naysayers. Oh, you must have done something wrong. I don't believe that for a minute, blah, 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 and this really shoved it in people's faces. That this does happen. It's happening every day. It's happening right in your community. This is all about money. In the last year, it's estimated they took $40 billion worth of wealth from elderly individuals in this country. That is one of the biggest untalked about transfers of wealth going on. And you never see these people go to prison except on a rare occasion and by the way anybody that's telling you they've had attorneys and probate judges put in jail is blowing smoke up your wazoo don't buy that stuff it ain't never happened not the first time and uh, and if it had happened they'd have all their names and addresses posted but it's never happened that's just something try somebody trying to inflate how important they think they are but anyway uh, tonight, now here a while back, let me backtrack just a little bit here. We published an article by um, uh, Terry LaPointe, who I have huge respect for her as an author and writer. And um, But she had, uh, and she came on the show and talked about this. She had talked about uh, what had happened to Joanne Bashinsky, and she was the Golden Flake heir. And she apparently was a very good person and you know and then like they say none of it was enough to keep her from being seized under a conservatorship and as i understand it uh no due process no a judge never heard a shred of evidence in her defense and complete strangers were appointed to manage her money and give an effective control over her life says terry um it, it, this is it was a tragic story uh, she spent the last final year and a half on earth fighting a fierce battle for the simplest thing, control over her whole life, own life. And this is – I wrote an article recently called Legal Capacity, and this is exactly what Terry's talking about here. Legal capacity, the right to your name, the right to have your existence recognized and that existence having attached rights to it. And when you go into a probate tribunal – what happens is you are uh, you are stripped of your legal capacity. You're, this is the epitome of identity theft. They strip you of your own name. You can't use your own name anymore. You don't exist. You have suffered a civil death, and you don't exist anymore as far as the law is concerned because they took your identity from you. It is gifted to this predator standing there calling themselves a guardian who now presents themselves as you. They sign in place of you. They access all your assets. They take everything you ever owned and everything you ever thought you might own. Um, you lose total control over your life. As if this wasn't bad enough, 
we have state and federal governments that have failed to act to protect the elderly people from these predators. It's all hinging on money. This has to do with campaign contributions. If any one of us could step step up and on a regular basis put ten or a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in somebody's campaign chest as a donation, I think like to think of it as bribery, um, we could get away with murder too. And but since we don't have that kind of money, we are ignored. Um, we are pacified. They send out bills, uh, the Elder Justice and Protection Act. Um, didn't mention these professional guardians or these attorneys. It was so centered on family and friends, other associates, and they they can commit a crime. But apparently, predatory guardians and immoral attorneys are exempt from this. But we get these bills all the time, and you have to read them. Don't go on the title because the title is always misleading. Seldom does the text of the bill bear any resemblance to what's actually in the bill. And you need to read it because they will insert things into it, you know, little loopholes that most people might skim over the top of but will turn around and bite you in the butt later on. The whole thing is it's a protection racket running, and apparently we have no defense. I say there is no help coming from state or federal governments. These supposed elected officials, um, their loyalties are somewhere else. It's not with the public. And it, just as an add-on in this faked-up virus they have going on, over 4,000 deaths, actually approaching 5,000, 80% of those are elderly. They go into nursing homes with these vaccines that they admit are not actually a vaccine. It's gene therapy, and they're installing an onboard operating system in your body through this messenger RNA. Pfizer admitted this. AstraZeneca admitted this. But they call it a vaccine to get immunity and protection from being prosecuted. They go into a nursing home. Everybody gets a shot whether they want one or not. And a few days later, half of everybody in there is dead. The other half is sick and in the process of dying. It makes me wonder if they're getting the same shot the public is. But just that's just me. But there is a global culling of the elderly. We are tracking it in 14 different countries. They are doing everything. Here, the usual method is hospice. Hospice used to be the Good Samaritan. Now they've been rebranded as the Grim Reaper. They openly brag about euthanizing people, withholding food and water, which, by the way, has been redefined not as a human necessity and a human right, but as medical treatment. Did you know that? When you sit down to eat your supper, you're medicating yourself. Imagine that. And they withhold both those things immediately when futility of care is called for. And any doctor anywhere, one that's never seen you, hasn't even seen your file, can call for futility of care. And if you think I'm wrong, you show me where I'm wrong because I read it right in their own papers. You move into palliative care, which they claim is pain control. No, it isn't. It's excessive forced drugging. They give the patients what they call a ham sandwich, Haldol, Ativan, and morphine in massive doses. And what it does is it starts stopping the organs of the body, like the lungs, to be specific. People start panting and can't breathe, and it's what it is is 
the morphine is shutting their lungs down. They go to the family and say, oh, they've forgotten how to swallow. When they're questioned about why aren't you feeding or giving them water, they've forgotten how to. They didn't forget how to swallow. You drug them so bad that the automatic response, reflexive response in the body isn't operational any longer. They didn't forget you drugged them so bad they can't. And then they come in with what's called the kill shot. And usually after that's administered, you'll know when that's given because they always want to roll them up on their left side. And because they're probably in pain and this would help, it'll help take them out a whole lot faster. There's reasons for doing that. They give them what's called the kill shot. And within 20 minutes, 30 minutes, if even that long, they've passed on. They're doing this every day in this country. But before they get to hospice, we got these predator guardians. The case tonight that we're going to be talking about is the Joanne Bashinsky case. She was the Golden Flake heiress. And two people who were employed by her, who she had dismissed, guardianized her. With us tonight as a guest is her former executive assistant, who really cared deeply for this woman and was just outraged at what happened to her. So everybody, help me welcome Melanie Myers. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you bet. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to rattle on so much there, but I get talking and I... (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm I'm um, glad to talk with someone so passionate. Well... I am about this, and I've been fighting it for years, and I see these elected officials, you know, locked down against us, uh, that come out with these flim-flam bills. It gets worse every single day. They pretend they don't know why they never heard of such a thing. Nobody ever told them, only about 500 of us. Um, We've been right there in D.C. putting it in your face. Don't tell me you didn't know, but they know exactly what's going on. But there is an effort in this country to get rid of the elderly, mostly having to do with Social Security and the fact that the federal government has bankrupted it by taking almost $4 trillion out of it with no way to pay it back. So they decided rather than worry about that, they call it an intergovernmental liability, meaning we took it from this program. We weren't supposed to, but we did. And we blew it on six wars and a missile to the moon. And... So the only option they have left is to get rid of the claimants. And we are considered uh, expendable because we are no longer taxable. There's nothing else they can extort from us. We don't have to pay them anything. And this this is where we sit with this. And these people, like I say, that are supposed to represent us, sit by quietly. Now, Melanie, I would have thought... As high profile as this case was, your state senators and representatives would have jumped in the middle of it. Did that ever happen? You you would think so. Um, we, we really didn't have the support that we had hoped for. Um, I think people are scared to speak out about it. Um, there's a lot really? of people that profit off of these conservatorships, mm-hmm. a lot of yes. groups, and um, people don't want to go up against them. So they just stay quiet about it. And a lot of people don't even know that this goes on because the families that this happened to are scared to speak out because they will come after them. 
So a lot of people yeah. don't tell their stories. I had never heard of this happening before uh, it happened to Miss B. Um, we didn't know anything about it until her new guardian ad litem that had been appointed to her that she didn't know anything about just walked into her home, just walked oh. in. Oh, wow. And that's how we found out. But we were still really confused. Like, what now what are you trying to tell us? What's going on? Um, it's that so movie. It, it, it's exactly yeah. like that movie. Yeah. I, I cried yeah. watching that movie because it was, it was yeah. very real. Yes. I it, it was an insane situation. Yes. But I, one yes. thing, the last scene where he pops a cap on her, um, <laughs> I swear to God, a culminative cheer come up across the country. I know. When he, you know, she says, like, I care. Well, she, like, I do. Boom. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I think people stood up and cheered. I've heard from a lot of people that that was a very mm-hmm. gratifying scene. I saw behind that that they were querying Netflix that this this scene and that movie might incite violence. And is was that yeah, there in Tennessee? No. They're trying to set the stage for a lawsuit that other people might take this to heart and actually do it. I'm surprised oh, nobody goodness. has. It you know, I really am. People, but we don't. Yeah. I had to tell some victims, they're like, I can't watch it. It's going to bring, bring too many bad memories. I'm like, no, no, it has a happy ending. You should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, what was your first – first off, just explain to people in what capacity you served Mrs. Bashinsky. Well, I knew Mrs. B for 13 years, um, and we became very, very close. She was like a grandmother to me. And I started working for her about three years ago, um, just as her assistant, um, her right-hand woman. I I sat with her throughout the entire day, and she – she was a really smart, smart woman, so I ended up learning a lot from her, and I really appreciate my time with her. Um, I started paying her bills for her and doing little things like that. Um, I worked a lot. She's very, very interested in the Big Oak Ranch, which is a ranch for children here in Alabama um, okay. that have been abused or neglected. And um, so we, she had started the auxiliary for the Big Oak Ranch, and I worked with her on that. And I was just with her all the time, all the time. So um, I was there for three years, and I saw everything that sort of happened. I know the two people that that filed this petition against her, and I saw some of the things that went on. Um, I read their recount of <laughs> what they say happened, and I know the truth, so it's infuriating. Um, yeah. But this was, it was a very eye-opening experience for sure. Yeah. Well, when they bring these charges, you know, and they ask for a guardian and they, you know, want control of the estate, they always levy this laundry list of charges against, like, her mm-hmm. Or the, as mm-hmm. though she's committed a crime, or the, the right. family members or close associates, they're treated as if she committed a crime. Felons are treated better than mm-hmm. somebody in probate court, and they have oh, more yeah. rights. 
and um, but yeah. uh, they'll they'll do this, you know, and they'll they're never asked for any evidence. They never provide any. It's as if it came out of the right. mouth of God, and they levy all these weird yeah. charges and. You know, they're incompetent, and we found them covered in urine mm-hmm. and feces and starving to death and, you know, trying to jump mm-hmm. out the window, and we caught them and saved them, and if it wasn't for us. And you know what I'm saying? It just right. goes to an extreme. And But they never mm-hmm. produce any evidence. And what I have found in about 90% of cases, maybe a little bit more, that I've dealt with, the guardian has, in fact, never seen the victim. And even after wow. probate court, if they see them once a year or every two years, it's a big imposition. But they have never mm. seen this. They could pick them out of a one-person lineup. Um, never seen them. But they will levy all these charges. And, um, you know, did did she have any children? Um, she had one daughter who passed away several years ago, and through that daughter, um, she had one grandson. So she had uh-huh. a very, very small family. She had some stepchildren that she just wasn't close to. Um, so yeah. really, it was just her and her grandson here um, that had to fight. I think that's what made her sort of an easy target. I think they yeah. look for people that really won't be able to fight back. But little did they know yes. um, that her grandson and her are fighters. <laughs> and <laughs> they fought back. So, and, yeah. and, you know, none of us stayed quiet about it. So that made things a little bit difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that one thing these people hate is exposure. But it's actually, oh, Melanie, yeah. and it's gotten to the point, we've done, well, I've done over, going on 14 years, 1,700 shows, thereabouts. Wow. Plus, there's other people out there blowing the whistle on this and writing about it. I've written about it. Uh, there, it, It's been all over the place. And what struck me was, they aren't the least bit afraid of exposure because that probate judge will provide them all the protection they need. You can't get Mm -hmm. your attorney general to do anything. You can't get the police Mm -hmm. to do anything. You can't get the sheriff's department to do anything. Adult protective services is, it should be called adult predatory services in my opinion, but that's just me. And, um, (laughs) but none of these social services, none of them will help defend that person they have targeted and yeah. they, they they all go silent and send you to the other one and they it's just you just run on a big hamster wheel and then of course like say mm-hmm. going to your state representatives or senators is an exercise in futility uh it just when this woman walked into the house that day what did she say um he, he was he just oh, sat down he walked right in it was a he he just sat right down in her office where we were sitting, and as far as we knew, a stranger had just walked into her home. So yeah. he said, uh, I'm so-and-so, I'm an attorney at law. And we said, oh. okay, why are you here? And then, I mean, he just he didn't really explain. He said, I'm your guardian ad litem, I'm here, and I want to talk to you. And I want to talk to you alone. And I said, "Excuse me, oh, you know, I, I don't. We don't know who you are. I need you to leave this home." Um, but I knew it was 
some sort of legal situation that I just didn't understand. And so I ended up calling um, an attorney for the family and she said, okay, I think I know what's going on. And she talked to him on the phone. She said, please come back a little bit later. Um, And so he did, but Miss B had an appointment so she had to leave the house anyway. But it was a very frightening situation on top of all of this. You know, we didn't know what was mm-hmm. going on, and this man just walks in your home. And unfortunately, they have the mm-hmm. right to just come up there. If I had even called the police, yeah. the police would have said, no, he has, you know, he has the legal right yep. to be at the house. So you just, yep. the worst part about it is, is you just feel like there's nothing you can do to protect your loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, when this is going yep. on, I just felt like my hands were so tied. I mean, I yelled at the man and told him to leave the house, but yeah, know, even I didn't know at the time that he did have the right to be there. And that's just what awful. Is the, what is the other attorney that you called? Like, was she, was this other attorney like privy to this kind of scam or was she shocked? And was there anything that she tried to do to stop it? She had heard of this before. This this isn't something that she, you know, typically fights on a daily basis, but she mm-hmm. had heard of it before. When she spoke to him on the phone, she understood what was going on. Um, and so that's why she, she asked him to come back later, and then she came over and talked to us, and she sort of explained to us what was going on. Um, you know, she didn't know that this was going to happen to Mrs. B. None of us knew. We were very much caught off guard. Mrs. B was never served any papers, um, which is ultimately why the Supreme Court was able to reverse the decision of her having a temporary guardian and conservator. So she was given a little bit of freedom at the time, although the permanent conservator and guardianship petitions were still we're still fighting in process um, actually yeah yes even though she passed um in early january but any guardianship ended immediately that's the law ends immediately upon death they have nothing else to do the person has expired it ends immediately so why they would have any petitions Mm -hmm. in moment motion is beyond me yeah it's all about the money yeah, yeah, they're yeah. 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 They're out to the bills. They want paid. You know, they yeah. made her life a living hell for the last 18 months of her life, and then they want wow. her and her estate to have to pay for what they did to her. And it just, this is, it's the most Melanie, maddening It's thing. that way in every case. It is one of the most mm-hmm. insidious yep. programs ever devised. And the person they have targeted... Their estate pays mm-hmm. all the bills on all the people coming against them. It's like having to pay mm-hmm. to have the rope woven to hang you with. And mm-hmm. But they do, and they just keep it in. And every time they bring a motion in front of that probate examiner, he makes money. He gets a percentage of the estate, usually mm-hmm. three, 2 to 3% every time. And that's why he'll let them keep submitting motions because it's money in the bank for him. But he is mm-hmm. a person who facilitates everything. And these people, like I said, can't stress this enough, they are not dealing with law. This is why they moved probate and family court into these tribunals, was to avoid the law. A tribunal is a cursory, uh, tertiary um, court system, but it operates on its own outside of the constitutions, both state and federal. And 
they make up their own rules. It's all modeled on military tribunals, which don't follow the Constitution either. And so what happens when you go into it, you have no rights. I've mentioned this many times. We've had people in probate not understanding they were not in a court of law. The law doesn't pertain here. They were in a tribunal where the probate examiner said to them, you mention the Constitution one more time, and I'll have you put in jail for contempt. They will not speak about the Constitution. They will not refer to it, and don't you bring it up either, because it highlights what a corrupt entity this tribunal is. But you have no rights. We've seen more people traumatized, what they call legal abuse syndrome, when they step into these tribunals thinking they're in a court of law. And they know what the law is and finding out that the law does not apply. Everything was arranged for. They ever got in there. And it's all just a dog and pony show. And the idea, I think, the sickest part of this is making the targeted victim pay the predators. And Mm -hmm. no cap on what they can charge. They can just keep hitting and hitting and hitting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was what angered me the most. (laughs) Yeah. When she was kind of released from this, was she able to come home? Yes, she, I think because um, we were so vocal about everything, um, and Miss B is some, somewhat of a figure here in Alabama, um, you know, journalists would call her and want to write stories about her story. And um, so mm-hmm. she talked to several people, and, and her story was in the news. And I think because of mm-hmm. that, um, her conservator and guardian and all that, they they were very, very careful about how they treated her. Um, uh-huh. And so she was never taken out of the home. I mean, we fought that. We fought that. That was her biggest fear. Miss mm-hmm. um, B was very, very good about getting on the computer and reading the news mm-hmm. and doing her research about things. And she started researching all about conservatorships and read a lot of harrowing stories, and um, she was so fearful that that was going to happen to her. Yeah. I mean, I, I hated yeah. to see her worry every day, like, are they going to show up at my house and take me away? Is this something that's going to happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was It was so sad, but that thankfully never happened. Um, she had some good lawyers that her her conservator did not want her to have, he would hire uh-huh. attorneys for her, and she would fight him on that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyway, her attorneys kept fighting for her, thankfully, and that's how we were able to get the Alabama Supreme Court involved, and they reversed the decision because they realized that what happened to her was completely unfair. Now, like I said, unfortunately, yeah. there was also the permanent petition that was sort of hanging in the in the uh, in the wind, and so she was. You know, she had that sense of relief when the Supreme Court reversed the decision. Um, it was on July 2nd. <laughs> and so we were like, yeah. yay, Independence Day. But, you yeah. know, it was still like, well, we still have to sit here and wonder what's going to happen with the permanent uh, petition. Yeah. So she never could just completely relax. And yeah. she was 89 well, years old, and it just wasn't right for her to be so stressed all the time. Well, I feel like, too, uh, you know, as an elderly person myself, the idea that anybody should live in fear of something mm-hmm. like this happening to them, 
is unthinkable. And, um, you know, through all of this, Melanie, there's been different people we've had, you know, as guests, people we've done work for and everything who belong to churches like the Catholic Church or the Presbyterian or whatever. And I have gone to Mm -hmm. them and said, a member of your church, they've been a member X number of years, have contributed and everything, is in trouble and they need your support. Oh, we can't get involved Mm -hmm. in that. That's political. No, this isn't political. This is humanitarian. This is what you're supposed to be about. Oh, no, no, Mm -hmm. uh, that's political. No, it is not politics. It has nothing to do with politics. And I, but not one. I of think them. it's like the pro-life movement. It should be part of the pro-life movement. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's pro-life unless you're over sixty. And then, and I'm yeah. already seeing stuff cropping up here and there about how you know people need to think it over. If you're sixty to sixty-five, you ought to do everybody else a favor and just make a clean exit. Well, you kiss my butt. Oh. I ain't ready to go. Oh and, my gosh. Um, Yes, but now we're seeing also articles appearing about how inheritance, like her grandson being able to inherit her estate, Mm -hmm. uh, that shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. That's a windfall, and that's not fair. And um, once a person Mm -hmm. passes away, their estate ought ought to be up for grabs. Um, It's not fair for somebody just to get that without any work or putting into it. See, and they're trying to stop um, what they call heirs' property. Um, they're trying to stop that. And I, I know in the uh, UN they describe land ownership as a social injustice. Because if you own land and I don't, that's unfair to me. Nobody ever stopped mm-hmm. to ask me, did you want to own land? Which the answer is no. I had no interest in owning anything. Besides, you never own it anyway because you have to keep paying taxes on it till the day you die or they take it from you. But that's yeah. And, you know, and um, so, you know, there's a lot of things in the background on this. But like I say, the idea that somewhere around four trillion or billion a year, 40 billion a year is being siphoned off of elderly people in this country is disgusting. And then like 60, 30 to 60 billion a year is defrauded through Medicare by the medical industry. And so, you know, we get nailed every which way you go. And then to have this happen on top of it, uh, you're fighting all of this stuff that is based on age and, you know, vulnerability, actually. And mm-hmm. then to, you know, then this to come up, I just can't imagine how this tormented her and those around her, you know. Uh, was she at home when she passed? Yeah. Um, she was in the hospital. She was in the hospital. Um, yeah, she was, you know, I saw her the, the last month of her life, um, just very, very tired. She had gotten, she'd grown very weary of this. I mean, any sort of legal battle that you have is just very time consuming. Mm -hmm. It lasts a long time. The legal system is slow. Yes. And I mean, that's something that I kept thinking, you know, this woman is 89 years old and you're trying to Mm -hmm. determine, you know, her life essentially. Wouldn't you want to speed this up and get it over with? I mean, instead of dragging it and dragging it and dragging it, she needs to be enjoying the last years of her life. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the reason Mm -hmm. they do it this way is to keep hitting that estate. 
Now, the guardianship ended when she passed, the conservator of the finances. And that's the difference between the two. Guardianship is of the person. Conservator Mm -hmm. is of the finances. And they can drag that out forever and a damn day till they get every last dime. And they will find all kinds of reasons. But it does not end because she passed away on a conservatorship. They will hang on to that estate and, like I say, bleed it for everything it's worth. And, um, and you know, the, we we did a show on Britney Spears with a young man that was familiar with her here a while back. And he had listed out all the money that was being paid out to attorneys and her dad every month. And it was in the hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars. And... It's this way in every one of these cases. That I have told people, don't think just because you don't have any money or you don't have any land that you're going to be exempt from this because we have people mm-hmm. like the predator up there in Detroit, Mary Rowan, who has more than 1,700 clients. Imagine that. And she supposedly is familiar with every one of them. I don't think so. Right. And she is collecting <laughs> all of their Social Security and any railroad and or VA retirement checks, she's the assigned payee because as guardian, she was gifted their identity. And she gives them $40 a month, which is all she's required to give them, and stashes them in one of her residential homes that have never been investigated or, you know, uh, assessed. And but so some of them will do it by volume and as long as you are not and nobody's going to make you go see these people you just have to sit home and collect the check that's all you have to do uh she provided a minimum amount of food there were times in the winter they had no heat and up in detroit i'm up from up in that area not michigan but minnesota and that is the last place in the world you want to be with no heat in the winter mm-hmm. and uh but just very callous and uncaring. She's been reported, I don't know how many times, they keep giving her so-called clients. And uh, <clears throat> But it's just, um, how many attorneys, attorneys are involved in this, Melanie? Oh, my goodness. I want to say that we had maybe nine attorneys at one point. <laughs> we had a small <laughs> army, but that's almost what it takes to fight this unjust system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... The the two petitioners against Ms. B, they had several attorneys, too, which I thought, you know, why do you need so many attorneys Yeah, if yeah. you aren't For doing anything the- wrong? Well, it's yeah. more attorneys than the O.J. Simpson trial. I always would say, I'm like, wow, there's yeah. more attorneys than the O.J. Simpson trial to guardianize my yeah. uncle. It was crazy. Yeah. So yeah. They all have to get paid. All of them are getting paid. The attorneys have their own attorney, yes. and then everyone's and the guardian yes. has an attorney. The ward has to pay yes. them all. But if you, but if the ward wants to know their own attorney, that doesn't happen. Or a family member, they have oh, yeah. to pay their own attorney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. And it's and it's like I say that probate exhibitor gets a percentage. Hold on. I'm gonna sneeze. Excuse me, it's my allergies. <laughs> no, I feel that, you. Uh, yeah, that probate examiner, like on the East Coast, they, they get on average 2 to 3% of the value of the estate every time a motion is filed, and they accept it. 
you move west and get over to California, it's 5 to 6%. So it's to their advantage monetarily, financially, to accept any motion no matter how egregious it is. And they do because it's money in the bank for them. This And, you know, we play the ad for NASCA at the beginning of the show, and they talk about what a noble profession guardianship was supposed to have been. I can't find any evidence it was ever intended to be anything other than what it is. And that was a predatory system that allowed the theft of somebody else's assets and the complete disregard for the victim. And, but, you know, and they say not all guardians are bad. And I've asked all these years, Melanie, bring me one, just one that isn't. I have yet to get that person's name. And, um, they're all doing it. They wouldn't be in the business if they weren't doing it. And uh, it, it's just that our government sits there, like I say, either state or federal, and allows this to happen. And I can't imagine in Alabama with somebody that high profile, see, I'd be beating their door down. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it's just yeah, all disgusting. I think if this were an honorable system, which sometimes I think, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who can't take care of themselves and need help. So I feel like I understand maybe why the guardianship system, you know, is in existence, but it just completely got exploited. But I feel like if this were an honorable system, then when you go to court, you should have the opportunity to defend yourself. But I sat there and watched Mrs. B in in court the first the first go around for the temporary guardianship and conservatorship petition and she was not able to speak for herself which if you had seen her speak you would have known that she was a very capable woman very capable of taking care of herself and she she didn't have that opportunity and then we also had i believe we brought eight witnesses for her eight people willing mm-hmm. to stand up and say this woman is perfectly fine. Um, they tried to claim mm-hmm. that Miss B had dementia. She did not have dementia, and we had eight people willing to talk about that. But the judge oh, wow. didn't allow that. He no. didn't let anybody speak on her behalf. He didn't let anybody mm-hmm. say why they believed she did or didn't need to have a, a conservatorship or guardianship. Like you said, we walked in that court, and it was already set up. There was no chance yeah. of fighting. There was no chance of any sort of hope for her that day. It was just, it was done. Wow. So um, if, this, if this were an honorable system, then it would not be like that. Right. And that's why I say everything is set before you, you go in. In uh, Kaz's mm-hmm. uncle's case, the probate judge reinterpreted his will and decided he knew better what her uncle was some trying to mm-hmm. say than her uncle did. Oh. And gave away cause talk about that a minute. Um almost like it was up to about five million dollars because they had let it sit and it earned interest and everything. And so he had a will and he had a partner and they decided that the partner of thirty years and they I mean, even the guardian got on the stand and said, Oh yeah, I knew that this, you know, partner well the money was supposed to go to the partner but he died, and in the event of him dying, 
he had left it to myself and my sister. And you want to know what? No one can ever take away from me the intention of what they meant to do right. for me. That is an insane yeah. amount of money. It would have been a life-changing amount of money. But you know what? That, it's all good because you know what? It probably hurt them more than they think it hurt. I mean, I'm fine. It yeah. makes a great story. And it's not every day you get robbed that much money. But um, they, what really made me mad is they decided that his partner of 30 years was an elder abuser. And therefore, oh. he put undue influence. Yeah, and this was before he was even guardianized. This will was done. But they decided that he was an elder abuser, and there was a will yep. that the guardian found. It was not signed, nor was it notarized, but the judge decided that should be the will <clears throat> that is used. And the money all went to charity. We'd love to know oh who's behind gosh. the charity. One of the charities was... Um, a univ- one of the universities in Pennsylvania. So I, I will never give money to a charity. I would, I would caution people to give money to charities because this is how it went down. They have the representative of the charity say, um, so did Harvey ever give you money? And they're, you know, yes. Well, how much did he give you? You know, he gave us about $5,000, you know, over his lifetime. Did he ever verbally tell you that he was going to leave you money in the will? Oh, yes. Yes, he did. And that was good enough for the judge. I mean, that was good enough. Oh, wow. And so they got wow. all the money. So if you give money to a charity, like, and then, you know, Sharon DeLobo and the YMCA story, that's disgusting what the YMCA did. Yeah. These charities, yes. I would not trust them one bit. I'm done giving money to charity. The only charity I'll give money to is I'll give it to Nazca because I know Elaine isn't coming for me. And also, you know what, if you want to give it at church, put a cash in there so no one knows what you're doing. And just do charity is like at home. Do nice things for people in your community. Keep it local. And people don't need to yeah. know who's What who's about me, because you didn't mention me in your list of charities. Oh, I see how it is. Uh, <laughs> Marty, you're not a charity case. Yeah, I, know, I, I would need to have a lot of money to give out to a lot of charities, and that doesn't, you know, restaurant in COVID, hmm, not making a lot. But, I, I mean, it really, really soured me. I would not, I would not dare leave any money to charities. I would be careful donating money to any charity while I'm alive because they're only care about money and they're coming back they're coming back for you to screw you and to screw your family. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it yeah, it's I'm I'm done. I'm I'm done. I well, have no charity that I give money to. Except NASA. And another thing I want to caution people against because I'm getting stuff about it every day is these law firms coming out that are supposedly experts in elder law. Uh, come for mm-hmm. our estate and guardianship planning. Don't mm-hmm. do it. There isn't an attorney out mm-hmm. there that doesn't know that no matter how much they charge you and how they set up your estate, a probate judge can toss that aside and say, we're not going to pay attention mm-hmm. to that and divvy up your assets and give it to someone else, like a predator guardian. And yeah. so, you know, you have, don't go to these people. Do not tell people what you have, where it's located, what it's mm-hmm. worth. This is what they want to know. And you mm-hmm. go into the system, they're databasing you. So when the opportunity arises, like you're in the hospital or, you know, maybe it's just like in that movie, pull the trigger on this one. Let's do her and get her money. Um, your name just comes up next on the list. And this is all that it can take. It, it is really this simple for them to 
come after you. And you have to understand this is a form of legal stalking. They are gathering mm-hmm. all this information from you, and they claim that it's, uh, you know, I, I personally think they should either be charged with fraud for selling you an estate plan they know won't hold water in a probate court. They lie and tell people it's ironclad, you know, and everything. Say, no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. You get in front mm-hmm. of a probate judge even if you have a will. And they say, well, that's just if it's intestate and they don't have a will. No, even because a will comes with this. Um, they cast that aside also. We just saw them yeah. try to pass a bill up in Minnesota that made it lawful. They've been doing it anyway, but made it lawful for the guardian or the fiduciary in whatever capacity to remove the beneficiaries of the state, including trusts and other legal instruments, remove the beneficiaries and replace them with ones of their own choosing, even if it was themselves. They did that with Does anybody here, did your hair stand a, on end? I mean, yeah, but why? They, yeah, they did it because with Because it's a, um, easy picking. Uh, a brokerage account. They did that with Harvey on a brokerage account. I've heard it being done um, in Montgomery County on bank accounts. And we had, I mean, Austin Gibson, she was on, I mean, and her name was on the bank account and they still took it all, you know, oh, to wow. pay for her mother. Yeah. I mean, so it, it was so, I have a funny story. So I had this kind of obnoxious guy and he kept bugging me. Oh, I want to, I want to have a meeting with you. I want to have a meeting with you. And he was, um, oh, uh, one of these like money manager kind of guys. What are, I, what are they called? I don't even know. Cause I don't even care. So yeah. anyway, and he was, he was annoying. And then he's like, well, I need to have a meeting with you about, like, he wanted to act, he acted like he wanted to have some large bakery order. I'm like, okay, you know, if I'm going to make some money, sure, I'll meet with you. So he meets with me, and he starts his whole spiel. And so I was annoyed. He's like, well, how much money do you want to have, like, by the time you're 70? I said, not a lot. And he's, and he's like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, about 70s when I need to have that all unloaded. I need no money. I need no target on my back. And he's just looking at me like, what? You have no money? I'm like, nope, I don't want any I'm done. I don't want any. I'll have gotten rid of it. And, he's, and I told him why. And he's like, well, I've never heard of such a thing. And I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm not your client. Well, this guy was so cheap, he couldn't even buy a cup of coffee. And then the next day, he's messaging me, and he's trying to get referrals out of me for, like, who he could do his money thing. I'm like, mm, no. And I said, um, I said, why? I said, you know, I'm just going to give you a piece of advice because that day I kind of felt he annoyed me. And I said, if you want to be someone's money manager, you should at least be able to afford a cup of coffee. And he says to me, oh. he says to me, if I if I had to buy something from every single person I I met with, I just couldn't afford that. And I'm like, and you want to be a money manager, and you can't afford a cup of coffee. And, oh, and, wow. and that was my and I made sure to I shared that email with like a whole bunch of people that I knew, and I'm like, look at this, this is just crazy. You can't afford a cup of coffee, and he wants to be a money manager. <laughs> Yeah, he wants to be a money manager. But, yeah. Good lord, no, no, no money manager. I want no money. Cause just start giving it away. You know, give it away now while you can. You also will have the benefit and, of seeing how happy someone is that you gave them a gift. Mm-hmm. Because you can give. Well, the other you know, so now, yeah. you know, what is, it's ahead. like 
is it something like 13000 per year per person that you can give away tax-free? There's a number there. It's, it's something yes. like that, and it might be more. Mm-hmm. So, And that's per person. Mm-hmm. So if you have a you know, a daughter and the daughter has a husband, give each of them the 13000 Like, you need to just unload that money. Put it in education yeah. funds. But, for, but, 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 we yeah. have how many states now that allow probate judges because, you know, they're clairvoyant. We didn't know this, but we found out. They're clairvoyant. And they can look back anywhere from 3 to 20 years, depending on the state, to see if you bought, sold, or traded anything. And if you did, they will send a demand that whatever that was, property, artwork, jewelry, whatever it was, be returned to the estate because the guardian needs it. See, that's some BS. You want to hear another BS story that I heard? This is disgusting. So I knew this, I met this gal, and she, you know, knows, knows what goes on with this guardianship stuff, and she sold um, funeral plot, and she said oh. that when when they had clients that were guardianized, the guardian would come in and sell off the funeral plot to get the money. So then, when the yeah. person was deceased, probably why they need to keep their cremated bodies in in um, urns in their office and in storage units because they sold yeah. off the funeral plot. And you know that's oh. such a, like people choose these plots to be around other people like their family and if there's there's so much emotion behind that and the fact that they go mm-hmm. in and they sell that is disgusting yeah but that is how disgusting these guardians are and i have heard that that is even going on in the funeral industry people try to pre-pay their funerals pre-plan the funerals yep. and you got to figure out how to cover that up because the guardians go in and cash that money out yep and yep she told me every These once are some while, really high class people, yes, they are. Mm-hmm. But I still because say, they do. and I, I they care a lot. I talked to yeah, I t- talked to Terry Lapointe about this, and I know she's uh, a devout Christian. But I said I've been seeing things over the last ten years or so from different science facilities, um, study groups, and stuff that they think there's actually two to three species, probably two, maybe three species of human being on the earth. And that we're not all the same species. Some of us have a 32 strand of DNA that they don't know what it is or how it got there, but they know it's there artificially. And there's other indicators of women who are RH negative who have to take shots if they get pregnant to keep their body from expelling the fetus as a foreign invader like they would an infection, and so that they can carry that baby to term. But so they're speculating, they think that they're coming down, they think there's at least two, if not three, different species of human. And and I thought about that for some time, and it occurred to me, see, it seems to me there's too many of these psychopathic individuals running loose in the population for this to be an aberration. These people have no conscience, no morals, no sympathy, no empathy. They don't love, and they look at those attributes in the rest of us who do have those qualities as a curiosity, if not as a shortcoming. And when they express any of those attitudes, feelings, 
it's a they're mimicking. They don't actually feel it. They're mimicking what they saw somebody else do who actually did have feelings. Now, I still maintain if you were a normal, and by normal I mean with the, none of these character de- deficits, if you were a normal human being, you could not make your living preying on vulnerable people, robbing them blind, torturing them by isolating them, uh, keeping their friends and their family, even their religious associations away from them, uh, watching them be abused and neglected in these warehouses they call nursing homes. You couldn't do this if you had a conscience. And you couldn't do it not only once, but multiple times. And so I think there may be something to this that is evidenced by their behavior. It's like TSA agents. I told a TSA agent one time, she said, I'm a TSA. I said, all that tells me is you're otherwise unemployable. And you got this job because you, when you took the site, showed specific character deficits that made you a suitable candidate for this position. I feel the same way about these guardians. I say all these years, Melody, all these years, and I keep waiting for the one name of that one guardian who doesn't rob them, who doesn't torture them, torment the family, break the law, mm-hmm. abuse everything. Just one. Mm-hmm. Still no no name. Still no yeah. name. Yeah, it goes, the same goes for just the people that, that do this to people. So the two you know, yeah. former employees that did this to Mrs. B. I mean, she knew one of them she had known for 50 years and the other one she had known for, I think, 30, 35 years. Oh, my God. And she loved them. How could they turn on her like this after knowing her for so long and seeing what a big heart she has? She was such a generous people, generous person. She did a lot for them. She did a lot for a lot of people. And I just wonder, how can you all of a sudden just one day just turn on her like that? Like, I didn't ever want to yeah. hurt her in any kind of way, but for them to do this to her, the worst yeah. thing I've ever heard of, I just, you're right. There's there's something just different that it's not normal. Mm-hmm. It's just not normal for a human being to not care. And, you know, they acted throughout the whole time like, well, we just care so much about Miss B. We're doing this because we're worried about her and we care about her. But not one time ah. did either of them call her or check in on her or email her or ask her how she was doing or how things were going. Not for 18 months while they were doing this to her oh did they God. ever did check they, on her. Did they keep her mail wow. and have all her mail directed to them? The conservator did. Um, there, mm-hmm. And it was strange. Some of the mail went to the conservator and then like a few, you know, trash magazines and things like that would come to her house. Yeah. But they would bring her mail sometimes if she got like a handwritten note or something. They would have already opened it and they'd bring it to her opened. And I thought, why is any of that your business? Yes, exactly. But she always exactly. said she felt like she wasn't even a citizen because she had no right. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, right. exactly that's the called truth. that's that legal legal agency. She may not know have known how to label it, but she expressed mm-hmm. exactly what it is. She has no rights. She doesn't yeah. exist. And um, yeah. it, you know, it, it, we're a country that supposedly 
you know, we're supposed to be a beacon of freedom and justice and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. That might have been true 50 years ago. It is mm-hmm. not true today. We are all commodities. No. They're buying, selling, yeah. and trading us. They're robbing us blind. They're trying to deprive us of everything they possibly can. And why anybody's fighting to get over the border to get in here, uh, you know, I just, I don't get it, you know. Well, yeah, you work all your life, you pay taxes all your life, and then something like this can happen to you. It just, Mm -hmm. it just is, it's wild. Well, this whole system was set up by the Bar Association. That should tell you something right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, there was that video out here some years ago of that attorney up there in New York, and he didn't know he was being videotaped. Big fat guy, and he was laughing and talking about all these different laws that got passed. He said we're the ones that wrote them and got them passed, and he said and, and all of them make money for us. And you know I talked about this a bit in the promo. These people, like, we've raised so much hell, the donations from local bar association, national bar association, elder law attorneys, APS, this one, that one, and somebody else into the campaign chests of these politicians in the hundreds of thousands many times. The money talks. And um, oh, yeah. so and they call it a donation. I call it bribery. And... Hmm. And that's to get things the way they want them. The, like all these bills that come out, these senators and representatives don't write them. Bill writers do. The bill writers are attorneys. That's mm-hmm. how that's going to come out for you. Um, the, the whole system is just a sham. I think it's one of the worst things that has ever happened within the population of our country. And we've got government, I don't care who's sitting in the big White House or who's running Congress, when you get out there, and I think Cos can tell you this, in D.C., you realize it's all one big party, and you wasn't invited. And But they're all working together. Everything is staged. Um, like they say, something was passed by partisan. That means three people that should have voted yes voted no, and three people that should have voted no voted yes. And it was all planned before they ever walked in the room and voted. And they say, oh, we passed it on a bipartisan. No, you didn't. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it's all a show, but these people are fully aware. But the other thing I am fully aware of after years of research is they want rid of us. And they want rid of anybody that's over 60, and some people maintain over the age of 50. Um, we we mm-hmm. have become useless. Uh, we can't be extorted anymore for taxes in most cases. We're here to collect on all the money we contributed to Social Security, except the government already spent it, waging Mm -hmm. wars and doing other nefarious things. And it's like back in the Johnson administration to fund the Vietnam War, he's the one that opened the Social Security Trust up to uh, the -hmm. general fund so that they just used it like a slush fund to fund that war. But it never got put back together. It never got separated again. And now, because we're part of the International Monetary Fund and uh, Federal Reserve, uh, you know, and all that stuff, it simply goes into the IMF as a designated revenue stream. It's just saying this money came from here. But they still call it a trust fund, only there is no trust fund. We don't have any trust funds left. But they have used the money out of Social Security to fund all kinds of crap. And then have the nerve to say, you're costing us money. 
Excuse me. <laughs> What'd you say? Um, and, you know, if they'd have left the money alone, uh, we would have had more than enough. And, of course, if you didn't let illegal aliens collect Social Security, we'd be a little better off, too. But it's just mm. like the um, theft of 30 to $60 billion and false coding, upcoding, billing for services never rendered, um, tripling the cost of services, doing all kinds of things. The medical industry is cheating Medicare, like I say, out of 30 to $60 billion a year. Wow. Their answer to that, kill off the recipients. And um, we'll get rid of them, and that'll solve the whole problem. They won't go after them, but you get $100 more than you should have got on your check. The damn FBI will be at your door. And But this is what I'm saying, this whole system. And to see someone like Ms. Bashinsky, who is that high profile, that well thought of, Sucked into this system, she actually, Melody, and I know this is going to sound bizarre to say it, fared better than most. Um, yes. Well, yeah, you she know, did. I, she I, fared. I say that. I say that that's because we started fighting so early on, and I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think she was kind of an easy target because, <clears throat> yeah. or they thought she was an easy target because she really only had her grandson as family and and anyone to to defend her. And I just don't think that they realized that that the both of them together were going to fight back as hard as they did, and they were going to speak about this mm-hmm. in public. And so we made it a case that people had heard about. Um, a lot yes. of people in our state read about her, heard mm-hmm. about her, and so they they learned about the conservatorship issue in this state, and a lot of them had mm-hmm. not even heard of it before, like I hadn't and like Miss B hadn't. But I think that's why mm-hmm. um, everyone was – they kind of tiptoed around Ms. B's case because they knew if something happened, she was going to talk to a reporter about it. So yeah. they were very careful. You are right. Like she was she, one of she those did fare better. Who, she was one of those people who could have talked to a reporter. A reporter would have paid attention to her. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. she was not scared to talk – and her grandson was not scared to talk. I mean, you know, you're you're literally fighting for your life in this situation yes. and you know that you mm-hmm. have to do what you can to to get your rights back and um their little family did did what they needed to do and so um I mean it's still not over, but yes, she yeah. she was she fared better than most, I would say. I mean, I've yeah. I've obviously heard some very very horrible stories, and you know, like I said, she was researching, and that's what she was scared of the most, and I hated that. But I yeah. think that that also fuels her fire, you know, to mm-hmm. to keep her fighting. Every day she woke up, yes. and she was like, "Okay, what are we going to do today? Do we need to talk to the lawyers? How are we going to get our, our, yeah. ourselves out of this situation?" Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, that was. Did they ever retaliate against her or her grandson because they were not following the plan the way they had wanted them to, or did they get nervous? Um, 
I think that they realized that they were dealing with a woman who did not have dementia like they were told that she did. And Mm -hmm. I think that they thought that she was going to be this incompetent, you know, kind of vegetable. Yeah. Um, And then when they actually got to speak to her, the conservator and the guardians, I think they realized, okay, this is a different, a different case than most. And um, they started seeing that she was talking to reporters and they were all very upset about that. But I just, I think that made them dot their eyes, (laughs) you know, a little better because they, they didn't want it to to come out and, and nobody before Mrs. B, I don't think had really spoken up. So, I mean, there have been a few cases in Alabama that you've heard a little bit about, you know, but nothing like this one. And so I think, and then also with, with the I care a lot, movie and the Britney Spears case. I mean, that's not the same as Miss B's case, so I don't really like to to compare the two, but just because she's a public figure and conservatorships are being talked about in the public now, Mm -hmm. um, I think that that that's made people a little more careful, maybe. And I wonder, too, if 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 we are going to start to see a little bit of change, because if Hollywood is seeing what's going on and they're being, you know, they're, they're seeing it as this crazy thing that should be talked about, then, mm-hmm. I mean, I just wonder, could we potentially see some, some sort of change in the near future, even if it's a slow change? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm, I, I'm amazed that the people you know darn well have seen the movie that should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Who will say, oh, no, I haven't seen yeah. it. I don't watch trash like that. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> there was a picture of you in there, wasn't there? And um, But it's just, it's a, it's a sick, sick system. And that it's allowed to grow to the level that it has uh, without anybody doing anything to stop it. Anybody who could, um, I think, is just an absolute national disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. When I wanted to ask, when when she did pass, did any of these predators show up? I mean, or did they just run to the bank? <laughs> Not a chance. You know, I did wonder when we were at her funeral if we would see their little faces, but we didn't. And I just thought, you know, yeah. that just goes to show you they were never. They, I mean, they didn't send condolences to her grandson. Oh my God. Or any of us, you know, that she had a lot of people that actually cared and, and loved her. Um, she had several caregivers that truly loved her. Um, no, mm-hmm. we never heard a peep from them. I think, I think they didn't care. And you, you think, just, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just it. Nope. Just makes the it look even worse for them. I think, but I guess they yeah. don't care. <laughs> well, they probably didn't know who she was anyway. Yeah, what's amazing is they let that let you stay as a caregiver because what they did with Harvey and yes. what they do a lot, they go in and they fire all the caregivers and then put yep. in like the new company. Well, so, <laughs> I tell you, I mean, that that was Miss B also knew that that was potential. Every day she was worried that, that we were going to get fired and. Um, so right when she was put under the conservatorship, her conservator told her that, you know, she needed to get an attorney and that it was, 
you know, he was going to be the one to to pick the attorney, essentially. So he had her meet oh. with this woman here who mm. was just just awful, just awful. She should not be practicing. Mm. It's not right. Um, but Mrs. B was so smart that she had the the idea that anytime she met with any of these people, she was going to record the conversations because Ooh. she felt like, <laughs> oh, I know. She felt like, okay, yeah, these like people you. are saying that I have, oh, you – you would have loved her. <laughs> but she said, you know, if, if people are saying that I have dementia, then they're not going to believe anything I say. And if I'm having meetings uh-huh. with people and they're telling me these crazy things, I'm not going to be able to, to defend myself later because they're not going to listen to me if, I, if I've got dementia, you know. And so she yeah. said, I'm, I'm recording these, these meetings. So she met with this attorney that her conservator wanted her to hire, and this woman she said, well, I've reviewed your finances, and I just, you know, I just don't think that you can continue to have your, all your ladies work for you anymore, and oh. um, you're going to have to help me fire them. Okay, well, Mrs. Uh, B oh. knew her finances. Her, mm-hmm. I mean, not to go, I won't go into her finances, but she was fine, and she would have been fine the rest of her life you know, paying all of her caregivers and all of her house bills and, and continuing yeah. to live the life that she was used to. And this woman saying that just to scare her and to upset her is what I call yeah. elder abuse. You betcha. Yeah. But, you know, she got it all on tape. She was so upset after that meeting. That woman, she all she did was try to scare her, but she obviously didn't realize that she was talking to Miss B, who was a very confident <laughs> woman, <laughs> and was going to come back and tell some people. So, who has all um, the, needless to who say, that woman the, wasn't hired. Oh, that's wow. nice. Who has all the videotape now, or does someone have it? Or did yes, is. It was just like a little recorder um, that Miss B used to keep in her purse or her walker or somewhere. I don't know. It was always with her. And um, it was actually, she actually released it to a local reporter here. And you can hear the tapes online. You can hear it for yourself. Oh, wow. um, She wanted the, she wanted this this attorney woman to be exposed for who she was and, and for, yeah. for talking to an elderly person the way that she did. Okay. And I love that she did that. <laughs> wow. She just, she just sounds awesome. I mean, the other way yeah. to save money instead of firing all her girls is maybe we should fire all these attorneys and guardians. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh my and God. Save a ton of money that way. Oh, it's yeah, saved a lot just, of money. Yeah, and you always think yeah, these that, things that can get worse, but funny, they always do. Yeah, it, it was funny mm-hmm. to me that um, you know they say that that they're putting somebody under a conservatorship because they need to conserve their funds. You know, they're worried about yeah. Yeah. the decisions mm-hmm. that the person yeah. makes yeah. and the way that they're spending their money and all this. And Miss B yeah. would always say yeah. to me, mm-hmm. "I am spending more money." defending myself right now than I have ever spent in my life on anything. Miss B was the most conservative woman you've ever met. And she was just seeing all this money just fly out the window for her attorneys. And then, you know, the conservator gets paid and the guardian gets paid and Mm -hmm. everybody gets paid. And Mm -hmm. it just, it made her sick. She thought, well, I would have saved money just staying at home and doing what I did. (laughs) 
Yeah, oh, exactly, absolutely. exactly. It's, it's, it's and been a lot happier, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. They all are, every one of them. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. know how these people, like I say, live with themselves. I, like I say, I'm coming more and more to the conclusion that um, these people aren't like the rest of us. They can't be. Because I couldn't no. do this. I couldn't do this to another human being and then do it repeatedly. And, um, you know, that's the part that bothers me. They didn't do it just once and they go, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. They did it repeatedly yeah. and they're doing it now, you know. Um, it's just, I don't know. I think it's, well, it's, it's a not an honest. A, right. Yeah. It's not honest. It's just it's not it's a, all it's based not on an honest living. Deception. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All based on deception, manipulation. Um like I say, it it amounts to torture. I don't care how you slice and dice mm-hmm. it, it amounts to torture what is done to these people. Um and to know that you're doing that and they're suffering on account of what you're doing. And um they just keep on right on rolling, you know, like, so what? I'm going to get the money, so what difference is it? You know, I don't care. And they do this time and again, you know, time and again. I just, it, this is just tragic. Um, her grandson, now, how old is he? Can you say? He is, <laughs> yes, he's 42 uh, this year, I believe, so he is, you know, no, he's an adult. Like to meet a nice older lady. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just checking. You might be listening. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's a good egg. He um, if it if it were not for him, um, Miss B probably would have been in a very different situation. So she is very lucky that oh, she had wow. him. Bless her. Wow. Bless her. What happened to all of her personal possessions, may I ask? Well, she, you know, she passed in early January, and so um, there, there, it's still um, it, nothing has been dispersed or anything like that. Um, so mm-hmm. thankfully it was still in her possession at her time of death. Yeah. That was another thing she was always so worried about. You know, they came over to her house and they looked at all of her. She was a lover of fine antiques, so her house was just her biggest joy in life. And um, yeah. they came over and, you know, assessed her antiques. And she, when they left, she said, I yeah, think you take everything from yeah. my house. Yeah. And I said, no, we're not letting them. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. It's good for you. So, good for you. But, yeah, yeah, that's what they do, Melanie. They come in and yeah. inventory everything and, and mark everything that's valuable and what it's estimated to be worth. And then those things usually disappear. But they don't know what happened yeah. to them. They were there. <laughs> but, you know, they have yeah. one just like it in their living room now. And, um, yeah. But, it, yeah. you know, I'm saying they, they have stolen. It isn't just liquid assets that they take. Uh, we've had cases where they've gone in, cleaned the house out of anything that had any value to it, stole that, then did the inventory, mm-hmm. said it was never there. Oh. It depends on when you did the inventory. Was it there when you walked in the door? And But nobody ever asked that mm-hmm. question. And then they will take family heirlooms, pictures, this and that. We had a young man named Jeffrey on. They had gone into his mother's home, took everything that was worth anything, 
took all of these family heirlooms, pictures, the, everything, and put them in a dumpster, including the <sighs> urn with the ashes of his father. And this, mm-hmm. they, these people do this all the time. Um, that's why I say whatever you've got, don't tell anybody you've got it. And um, mm-hmm. don't tell them where it's located. You can't find what you don't know about. And uh, mm-hmm. But it's just, uh, I think this is just so sick, so sick. And that mm-hmm. it's allowed to go on, not only allowed, but by the silence, encouraged. Yes. Encouraged. Yes. Now, this I just hadn't came to an idea of how to like hide money from the guardian. So let's say I just bought a bunch of jewelry, you know, like diamonds, like super expensive stuff. And then I handed it off to people and acted like mm-hmm. I lost it. Now, how are they going to oh, get there that? You go. No, I, I don't feel like know. just figured it out. Buy some gold mm-hmm. bars and like, like something super valuable and like, quote, quote, lose it or have it stolen, and then that's how you can pass it along. It just came yeah. I just got the idea. I need to start doing this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You're a criminal at heart. Yep, there you go. I mean, you the, yeah. the awful thing about this whole situation is, is that you do start to think of things like that. You start to think, how can I protect myself? What do I need to do in order to protect my family when all this goes on? And I mean, because like we talked about earlier, everything that they do is legal. I mean, they're given the right to do this as guardians and conservators. It doesn't sound like it would be legal. Whenever I tell people, you know, this story of Mrs. B, they're like, no, that's not real. That didn't happen. (laughs) And I'm like, look it up. Please look it up. But here's what else was legal way back in Nazi Germany. That stuff was legal. That was their laws. And so just because something's legal doesn't mean it's moral. Or lawful. There's a difference between legal and lawful. Mm -hmm. And uh, it means they took something that was a crime and said, when we do it, it isn't one. That's legal. Right. But when you do it, mm-hmm. the law says you got a problem. Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. holy crap. This is just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. But I'm when she was in the hospital, Melanie, how long had she been there before she passed? She had only been there a couple of days. Um, she ultimately uh-huh. had a heart attack and... Um, I will tell you my belief is that she was so stressed out. Um, you know, I told you that that, that past, that last month of her life, I had just seen her just wear down. I mean, this yeah. sort of situation affects a person. It, it affected me yeah. and I'm in my 30s. <laughs> but she, yeah. as an 89-year-old woman, I've never seen such a strong woman having to yeah. go through this for 18 months. I mean, that's going to wear down anyone. And yes. she had yeah. just kind of gotten to that point where she was like, you know, I'm tired of fighting. She had fought so hard and for so long that she was yeah. tired. And um, I think so the last two weeks of her life, um, she had been under immense pressure because the two people that did this to her were also on her family's 
financial boards, I guess you could say. And they oh. were pressuring her to make – now, this is interesting. They claimed that she had dementia and didn't need to make decisions for herself anymore because she couldn't. She wasn't capable, you know. Mm-hmm. But then uh. on these last two weeks of her life, they were pressuring her to make a $130 million decision, and I'll just leave it at that. Oh. But she had to make this decision. They had to have her, you know, okay to do what they were doing. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, wait, I thought that you said she wasn't competent enough to pay her own bills, but now you need yeah. her to sign off on a $130 million deal. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, (laughs) But it was very, very, very stressful for her those last two weeks. And uh, I just felt like that had something to do with it. Yeah, it may have. Um, It may have. Yeah. Sometimes all of this, especially in an older person, it wears you. I was talking with a good friend of mine earlier today about somewhat of the same thing, about being tired you know, and not having the stamina Mm -hmm. I used to have and everything else, but you get tired of the battle. You get tired of the battle and which they depend upon that you will, um, you, you'll just give up because they'll wear you down, which is what they do. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's something, especially the older a person is, and I can attest to this personally, but the older a person is, the harder this is on them. I just fight these things from this end of things and do whatever I can do for the families that contact me. And, you know, I can write letters, make phone calls, uh, try to get them meetings and whatever else. But it, it used to be a piece of cake anymore, not so much, <laughs> you know. But you yeah. get tired of the fight. You get tired of the fight. Yep. You get tired of having to fight. Mm-hmm. And... um mm-hmm. So it's just maybe she did just decide she'd had enough. And yeah. You know, it, it's, I think it felt like maybe to her, too, that there was just no end in sight. I mean, yes. we weren't supposed to have a court date until, I think, this upcoming summer. And, oh, I mean, yeah. this had already been going on 18 months at the time. And she just thought, this is never going to end, you know. Yes, and, exactly. um that's just that's just a scary thought. And then then you think, okay, well, when it does finally end, however long down the road that is, I could lose. Uh-huh. And I could lose everything. Yes. So, I mean, wow. it was hard it's hard to stay positive. Now she she did yeah. and I feel very thankful for that. I think she had a lot of positive people in her life. I I mean, really her caregivers yes. are were such a blessing to yes. her. And um, yeah. and her, having her grandson who lived just right down the street from her and was there all the time, she had a lot of positivity yeah. in her life. But and that's Good. that's the only advice I can give to someone that's in yeah. this situation is, please, you know, uh, just just give positive thoughts and and positive kind words to someone that's in the situation because they need your prayers and your positivity to keep yeah. them going. Otherwise, they're going to get depressed. They're going to get down. Yeah. And well, Melanie, I think she was, was extremely fortunate to have had you in her life, looking out for her and doing the best you could by her. Um, I oh, think that you. says a lot about you as a person. This time has gone thank too you. fast. We've only got about three minutes left here. 
But again, I want to commend you on uh, caring enough about this lady to try and fight for her. Um, you know, it, and to expose this story. And I want to follow up with you. So maybe in a month or so, maybe we can do another show and catch up. And um, yeah. and if you <laughs> you need to, um, if you need more airtime at any time, let us know. And we'll get you okay. on air. Okay? Thank you All so right. much. You bet. But I, you bet. You're a good guest. Melanie, you have picked up her torch, and you're going to continue the fight for her by telling the story. Yes. 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 yes I would love yep. to. I hope. I hope so. Yes. I think you will. We'll help you do it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. And, and let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. If there's something specific you need done, you think maybe we could do. Let us know. Okay. And we'll jump I right in. I would love there. to. I. I love I love what you guys are doing. I think that um, I think it's great that you're telling the world about the conservatorship issue that's going on in our country because I think that's the biggest and best thing we can do is just inform yes. people of what's going on. Let everybody out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to thank everybody who tuned in tonight. We had a full house. And uh, I'll wait and hear what I hear from Australia. <laughs> they always listen to all these shows. And like I say, they will be on with us next Friday night about their protests. And I'm hoping everybody's okay. I haven't heard from Chris or any of them since the protest took place that they had gotten the necessary permits and everything else. So uh, they weren't breaking any laws. God knows we don't like that. And... Um, but as soon as I hear anything from her, I'll let everybody know. And uh, But they will be on with us, providing everybody isn't in jail, next Friday night. Um, I want to remind everyone, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. We'll be doing it live via Zoom this year. And I think that's all the news I got for now, Cause Thanks for jumping in. I know you're dead tired, but thanks for being <laughs> here this evening. And, uh, <laughs> and we will be back next Friday night with the Australians. I hope you all can tune in, uh, send along any of your comments or anything to uh, PPJ1, that's Pop Pop Jump 1, at hush.com, H-U-S-C-H.com. And uh, let us know what you think. As I think this was very invigorating to hear this story, Melanie. And um uh, to hear somebody saying we actively fought, that's that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. anyway, we'll see you all next week. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the weather. And good night, everyone. Good night. Bye.